Welcome to the Legally Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Laura Frederick. Laura is the founder of How to Contract, helping lawyers and professionals draft and negotiate contracts. For 25 years, Laura has been helping clients with their business contracts and technology agreements. She has previously worked for the likes of Tesla and as part of their legal counsel. And in 2019, Laura opened her own law firm, Laura Frederick Law. So a very, very warm welcome, Laura. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, We're absolutely delighted to have you on the show. And before we dive into all your amazing achievements and experiences to date, we do have a customary icebreaker question here on the Legally Speaking podcast. So on the scale of one to 10, 10 being very real, what would you rate the hit TV series Suits in terms of its reality? Uh, let's say negative one. Is that an option? <laughs> negative a hundred? It, sure. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. And is there any particular reason? I mean, you could go on and on and on, but why it gets a minus for you? Yeah, it, I think it gets a minus because everyone knows everything without spending any time figuring it out. And that's just not how lawyers work, how any of us work. We have to, you know, we all know some things in our expertise, in our wheelhouse, but there's, you know, the vast majority of things we don't know. So I think that's one of the the top ones for me. Yeah, I think you well and truly justified your uh, your negative marks. So let's start at the beginning, as we like to with all of our guests. Tell us a bit about your family background and upbringing. Sure. I was uh, born and raised in Rochester, New York. Uh, I'm a fifth of a fam of seven kids in my family. Um, so had a great upbringing there and, uh, but always had an interest in international things. So as I was growing up, I was an exchange student in high school. I went to Spain for a summer and, uh, kept that interest and, and wanted to have a life and a career in international business, uh, because growing up, it was a very small town feel where I, or the neighborhood I grew up with, the community I grew up with. So I always dreamed of adventure and excitement. Yeah, I love that. I love the fact that you always had that sort of international outlook on things. So Laura, how did your journey into the law begin? When did you start your legal career? Yeah, so I'd never met a lawyer before I went to college, and I thought lawyers were very smart. And I was like, well, I'm pretty smart, but I'm not smart enough to be a lawyer. <laughs> so I, was, I remember being in college with my other friends who were talking about going to law school after college, and I thought, wait, I'm at least as smart as they are. If they can do it, I could do it. And then as I progressed, I I studied international economics in college. And as I progressed, I was looking at what I wanted to do next. And I knew I wanted more education and I didn't like math. So that ruled out my MBA, my master's in economics. And I decided on law school because I was good at writing and I enjoyed writing. Yeah, and you've been immensely successful throughout your career. And to the the present day, you know, also you're now the founder of How to Contract, as I mentioned in the opening, an e-learning platform, a learning platform, shall I say, for lawyers and professionals. Would you mind maybe explaining a little bit more about How to Contract and how it all works? Sure. So 
how to contract really came from my own personal search for practical contract training that as an, a new lawyer back 25 years ago, I wanted somebody to give me the answer. And what I always got was it depends. And so I said, okay, great. Well, what does it depend on? And how do I figure out what it depends on? And why do I use this word and not that word? So I had some great mentors who taught me, but once I got past that junior lawyer phase, it's really hard to get that training and get that input uh, and to continue to refresh. So I decided when I got to a point in my career where my I had opened my own law firm and I'm doing well, I have some time available. And I thought, you know, this is the moment in my life where I can do this, where I can create what I always wanted, which was a practical contract training business. Um, so it really started with humble beginnings of me posting every day on LinkedIn. I thought, well, I want to publicize my law firm a little bit. So I, the way to do that, I studied up and it says, okay, become a thought leader. And I was like, okay, I can do that. What do I know about? And I was like, I know contracts. So I was like, well, let me show people. Let me share with them what I know about contracts in a way that gives back and helps others at the same time. And so I started sharing these insights into contracts, the what the senior lawyers know about how we draft and negotiate, uh, things I'd learned over 25 years of doing it. And it really snowballed and took off like crazy. I never expected it would have. I don't think anybody would have expected posting every day about how to draft and negotiate contracts would become so popular. But people clearly were a lot like me looking for someone to help them figure this out. And so I'm, I was thrilled to be in that place to do that. Yeah, and you, you're so tremendous in what you share in the community you built as a result of that. And, and as you say, you know, you spent your legal career looking for good practical contract training. So, you know, I always talk to a lot of people about what is your why, but why was it important for you to create a course on how to draft using contract case law, narrowing the concept and issues and clauses to a basic level? I think it be it was important because I come from a service background. So we started the conversation talking about family and my family, everyone in my family is very service focused. So my dad's 84 and still volunteers at the soup kitchen. You know, my parents, my whole life showed us how to be of service. And so for a long time, I thought, well, I'm a lawyer. I work in private businesses. I help my clients. That's not really service because services, people who serve the community. So I think I've had that inside me. And then I when I realized how much it helped people, for me just to share what I knew, it wasn't even like going out and researching or doing work to do it. I just kind of off the top of my head can tell you 20 things about how to draft and negotiate a pricing provision. And so by sharing that, I was getting email, I started getting emails from around the world, people saying, you know, I've had this imposter syndrome, I really don't feel comfortable with contracts, you know, and now based on reading you, I'm asking for that promotion. I'm taking on this new job. So once I saw the impact that I had, it was contagious. It was inspiring and I wanted to keep going. And so that really helped drive me to expand and offer this training to more people in more ways. It's, it's, 
kind of a, it has become my why and my mission to, to really help people around the world learn more so they can do better. Yeah, and I absolutely love that sort of, you know, leading with value, service, putting others forward and first, just love absolutely everything about that. And you touched on it there, but are there any specific benefits you hope for lawyers and professionals to acquire from How to Contract? Yeah, I think it's what I wanted people to realize is it's not this amorphous, vague bubble of knowledge that it feels impenetrable from the outside. Because the way a lot of training goes now, they'll explain all the, it depends. Well, it depends on this and it depends on this. And it's, and suddenly if you're, if you don't know all those reasons and all the, it depends, it feels um, insurmountable to try and figure it out. And so one of my goals is to break it down for everyone and to show them it's not rocket science. It's really, yeah, there's complexities, there's nuances. You can always get better your whole career. I'm still trying to get better and learning all the time. But all you have to really do is break it down into the pieces. I treat a contract like a car. So if you're standing on the outside of a car and it's broken and you just stare at it, how do you fix it? You have no idea. But if you narrow down what part of the car is broken, oh, it's the exhaust system. Okay, and then let's look at the exhaust system. There's 12 pieces to it. Okay, let's look at those. Okay, the third piece is broken. And contracts are the same way. You look at the contract, you break down each piece, you break it down to a section, then you break it down to a sentence, and then you look at the words. And if you approach it that way, it's not as scary. It's not as intimidating, especially for people who don't do contracts all day, every day. Uh, that's a particular focus of mine is people who are litigators in court and now turning into or trying to expand their expertise with contracting. And so a lot of what I want to do is kind of help show them how to do that. And by making it more approachable, and breaking it down into easy-to-learn chunks. Yeah, and I think you do such an incredible job with that. But talking of rockets, science, cars, for two <laughs> years, you did work for that little-known company called Tesla as their senior commercial counsel. So during your time there, you drafted, negotiated contracts to purchase you know, capital equipment, solar power systems, you name it. But what experiences did you gain whilst working for Tesla, and how did that contribute to how to contract? Yeah, I think... You know, I loved working at Tesla. It was a fantastic job, mostly because of the other people that worked there. It really is a company that's a collection of the best in the business in whatever role we had. So one thing I got out of it was I got to work with absolutely amazing people. And so they challenged me and helped me get better. The other lawyers I worked with challenged me and helped me get better. So that was part of it. But the other part was Tesla has a an internal structure that is very lean. And you don't have layers upon layers upon layers of authority and, and decision-making. And everybody's involved in everybody else's business. They try to hire the best, and then they trust the best to do their job. So I think that empowerment in that job really helped uh, conquer my own imposter syndrome. Because even though on paper, I look like I shouldn't have imposter syndrome, I've 
you know, worked in big live, had all these great career opportunities, and I've done well. But I kept even up through the beginning of Tesla, I was still waiting for people to figure out that I didn't actually know what I was doing. And one of these days, uh, you know, the the facade, the fake facade I carried of being good at what I do would, would come down. And I think there's something in particular about contracts and working with contracts that creates that because it's not, it's not like a regulation where you read it in a book, oh, there it is, I tell you how to do that you're good. So contracts, there's never a right answer. There's no one way to do it. And so that, I think, fuels that imposter syndrome. It did with me. And working at Tesla and succeeding at Tesla and being a valued part and a valued contributor, I think, boosted my self-esteem. It boosted my confidence to the point where I was, I knew that I knew what I was doing. And I, I lost a lot of that self-doubt. Yeah, and what a what a wonderful answer! I think you share so many nuggets of of wisdom there, particularly for people you know who are thinking of going to join these sort of incredible organisations. Time for a quick break from the show. Are you a legal aid practitioner in England and Wales, specialising in civil or criminal legal aid matters? If you are, this message is for you. As a legal aid solicitor, you don't have time to waste on legal aid case management software that doesn't work to your needs. That's why Clio has developed a quicker, more accurate and affordable solution for legal aid solicitors in England and Wales. It could save you hours in your month, particularly when it comes to end of month invoicing and claims to the legal aid agency. To see how it all works, visit clio.com forward slash UK forward slash legal aid. That's Clio, C-L-I-O dot com forward slash UK forward slash legal aid. Now back to the show. So it's very evident that drafting and negotiating contracts is a fundamental part of your job. So where and when did your interest for contracts, I guess, initially stem from? I think it's as a young lawyer, uh, I started my legal career doing franchise law. So the first three years I worked, uh, I did franchise law. And the reason I chose it, it was it was in a recession period. So there weren't a ton of job opportunities back then. And I was committed to international. So I had to find my first legal job. I didn't want to find something you know, that was lack that component. So the only job I could find was doing international franchise work. And franchising is a mix of contracts and regulatory work because you have to comply with all these regulations. You have to create something called an offering circular, which is like a securities perspective that or prospectus that has to be written in a particular way. And so I, that was part of my job. But then I also worked on the franchise contracts. And very quickly, I grew to hate working on the offering circulars, <laughs> worrying about regulations. That's, it felt like it was trying to keep me in a little box when I wanted to get set free. But then when I came to my contracts, it was I, I found so much joy because there's so much creativity and strategy. And no one can ever look at your contract and say, you screwed up. Sure, maybe you didn't get some things better than others, but the nature of contracts is imperfect. You'll never have that perfect contract. You're always trying to make it better. So I think working with contracts appealed to the creativity side of me. It appealed to the 
um, not worrying about somebody telling me I did it wrong part of me, and then also just the opera- the opportunity to work with the business and really get embedded and understand what they're doing because that is such a core component of working with contracts. Yeah, and I have a, a dummy question here because you're not allowed to say it depends. Is a verbal agreement a contract? It can be. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like that. (laughs) I couldn't say depends. So it it depends on the circumstances and facts. So most of the time, the law clearly says a verbal agreement is a contract. Whether you can enforce it, whether it meets some requirements, for example, in the U.S., to have, you can't have verbal contracts to buy goods over $500, and you can't have verbal contracts to buy land. So there's some – well, I should back that up. Whenever I give advice, it's always like, wait, wait, you can have verbal contracts to buy goods over – anyway – Maybe we'll edit that part, that answer out, because that's <laughs> way too specific. Um, oh, what I was, was I supposed to no, I, I was only teasing you, so don't worry, oh, okay. don't worry. But I, I, I just wanted to get the it depends things. I knew that was an answer. You probably had to go down that route, so uh, I jest away. But in 2019, super exciting things happened for you because it certainly didn't depend. You took action and you opened your own law firm, Laura Frederick Law. Super, super exciting. So you're a top boutique law firm. You're assisting business with their vendor contracts. But what on earth are vendor contracts and what type of work does this all involve? Yeah, vendor contracts really are any contracts where a company is buying goods, services, or licensing technology. And if you think about it, that's what businesses do. They have the incoming stuff, the people, the services, the things, and the technology. And then they have the outgoing stuff, which is what they sell to their customers or offer to the world. And so they're very different contract approaches. If you think about it, if I'm buying widgets to incorporate into my product, I'm going to need my vendor to have that contract do certain things. And especially if I'm buying a $200 million worth of widgets, I'm going to really care about every single word because any if anything goes wrong, it's it's in the tens of millions of dollars of problems. So companies, sophisticated companies, and even smaller companies need to be thinking about their vendor contracts a little differently than their other contracts because your whole business model for most companies depends on having your vendors do what they're supposed to do and being able to resolve differences when they don't. Yeah, I totally agree. And I love the fact that, you know, you have taken that step to set up your own law firm. And I want to give this message or allow you to give the message, you know, what would you say to encourage other people who are probably sitting on the fence about doing it? And one piece of advice. Yeah, well, I'll say the one of the reasons I was particularly scared about it is I'm a single mom. I've doesn't have any other financial support, and I have four teenage boys. So talk about scary. Uh, The idea of quitting my supposedly secure job to do this, everybody thought I was crazy. But what I learned since then is now I see keeping that day job as the scary part because all your income is tied to one employer. And if they lay you off, if you have a bad boss and you can't stay, suddenly your whole world and your whole financial security is is 
set a tumble. Whereas now with my own law firm, you're able to manage your income by getting different clients. I added another business. So I have a hundred times more financial security now than I did three years ago. So I think that is that financial security and the opportunity to be truly financially secure and the reduction in stress that that provides. And I'm not talking about the amount of money you make. It's knowing that there is income coming in. Once you learn how to get clients and keep clients happy, you see that losing one client is okay. You'll get another one. So it's a whole different mindset. And I know my I have attained so much more peace emotionally, psychologically than I did as an employee. Yeah, I love that answer. And it kind of resonates with me a little bit. You know, you talked about risk. You know, someone once said to me, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. And so that story there is just, a, you know, what a what a risk you took, but what a reward. And the fact that, you know, you looked at it from another perspective of actually, you know, there's a risk here by just staying in this one job. So absolutely love it. Great perspective. And I think it's great that, you know, other people in the legal profession are thinking in these slightly different, more entrepreneurial you know, risk, risk-taking risk approach. But as part of your career, you were a senior commercial counsel for a couple of organizations, particularly Solar City, where you were advising and counseling on contracts. So do you believe contracts are now a significant part of transactions? Yeah, I think they always have been, but they didn't really get the top billing that other types of law and types of practices got. So I would often see companies put the, you know, give the contracts to somebody who was doing something else. So they'll have a regulatory lawyer and say, hey, we're going to add contracts to you. Or you have a corporate lawyer who suddenly is getting involved in commercial contracts on the side because somebody has to. And so what I think these those approaches are missing out and why I think contracts is such a critical part for, for lawyers, not only who do it exclusively, but those who do it otherwise – is contracts are have the potential to save the company and your client so much money if done well. So if you do contracts well, you get what you paid for. If you do contracts poorly, you may not. And you may end up having to pay damages in situations or more fees in situations that you shouldn't have to. And I think the contracts are the, the secret for that um, cost control, risk mitigation for so many things that businesses do. It's centered around quality contracts that are written and negotiated by people who know what they're doing. So I think more training on contracts, learning about contracts quickly translates into savings and more opportunities for businesses. Yeah, again, wonderful answer. And I guess this leads on nicely when we're talking about all things contracts. You know, the future is here. We have Web 3s, we have the metaverse, we have non-fungible tokens, we have smart contracts. So, you know, what are the challenges do you think companies will face in the coming year with contracts? I think trying to manage contracts as we move into this faster pace, more digital environment I think in the past, a lot of us may do with sending back Word files by email, you know, negotiating um, over months at a time. And I think 
a lot of that is going to go by the wayside, that we're going to have to move much quicker. Uh, humans cannot manage the amount of contracts that are out there, at least not well. And so I think companies have no choice but to invest in contract technology and contract management technology. And anybody who hasn't isn't looking at that and hasn't looked at that is going to quickly find themselves in a very difficult situation because it's I think it's gone from a nice to have to a must have. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's essential, you know, even though the legal tech space is is getting up with steam, it's still a little bit behind. And if you don't embrace now, then, you know, you forever will be behind. So finally then, Laura, what advice would you give to our listeners interested in drafting and negotiating contracts? I would have you look at why. Look at each word and understand why it's there. Because if you don't understand the why behind the words, you won't understand how to effectively draft and negotiate those words. So I give the example of confidentiality. You need to understand trade secret law in order to effectively negotiate confidentiality. So if you want to improve in your contracts and the ticket to being a great contract lawyer is really understanding the why. And to understand the why, you have to understand the law behind it. And so focus on the law behind it, not memorizing cases, not reading a million opinions, but understand where the status of the law is that informs how you choose the words you put into your contracts. Yeah, I love that. Such good sage advice once again, Laura. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. If people want to get in touch about anything we discussed today, particularly contracts, what would be the best way for them to contact you? Feel free to shout out any of your social media or web links. We'll also share them with this episode for you too. Yeah, the best way is on LinkedIn. That's where I live because that's my um, that's my world. That's my community. So you can either direct message me on LinkedIn. Definitely connect with me and follow me. You'll get that daily contract tip. I also didn't mention I have uh, I post a daily contract cartoon every day that has the same theme as the tip, and I create all those myself. It's part of my creative outlet, and so I have a lot of fun with that with ridiculous characters and pirates and zombies and uh, aliens can find their way into those. Uh, so that's the main way. And then also via my businesses, howtocontract.com or uh, Frederick, uh, laurafredericlaw.com. Ah, brilliant. Yeah, and I love those cartoons. I love seeing everything on you do on LinkedIn. I think you just produced awesome content and you built a wonderful community. So thank you so, so much, Laura, for coming onto the show. It's been awesome having you, wishing you lots of continued success with all of your pursuits, but from all of us on the Legally Speaking podcast, over and out. This week's review comes from Sarah. Powerful five stars amazing to hear a podcast that shines a light on how varied the legal industry is hearing from a number of people with unique journeys consistently instills me confidence that my route is also taking me down the path of success incredible zara thank you so so much for your kind words from all of us on the legally speaking podcast we appreciate you